Welcome to the Pro Football Doc Podcast, post-week 15, pre-week 16. we got a fun features segment here. Of course, part two is always the injury rundown and then beast of the week. We're going to talk pickle juice or drinking from airplane bottles, alcohol bottles. We're going to talk learning from the master. And then we're going to talk about shutdown time as it's week 16. And then we'll uh, go over some fun video and other things in this Pro Football Doc podcast. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to OutKick for featuring all the videos. But pickle juice. So if you really go to it here, what was Tyreek Hill drinking on the sideline? People saw him laying down on his stomach, and uh, I tweeted about it here. And uh, there he is, Chief Saints. He's got his little alcohol bottle. <laughs> I'm sure people were wondering what that was. There he is taking a swig. Notice there's no label. And then uh, he's getting worked on in his hamstring. Tightness or cramp, that's a Theragun. We're kind of massaging his ankle. So there's some other electrolyte concoction. But this little greenish fluid is actually pickle juice. Why? It actually makes sense. So the electrolytes are what you're short. So yes, if you have severe cramping, you run in and get the IV, a la Lamar Jackson or a la Philip Rivers almost every game. But pickle juice is high in electrolytes, high in salt, right? I mean, you hear taking salt tablets, this is kind of like that, pickle juice. Some people like pickle juice, some people don't. Some people like martinis, some people don't. I mean, whether it's Gatorade, Gator Lights, Gatorade's in the right direction, Body Armor's in the right direction, all those drinks are in the right direction, but pickle juice has very high salt content, and potassium content. That's actually why they say eat bananas at halftime, right? High potassium content. So he's having pickle juice. And the thing that's interesting, it's in a very creative bottle. It literally, uh, you probably can buy them, I don't know. It really looks like, uh, I mean, there's no label on them. Now either there's no label on them because the athletic training staff bought them and there's no NFL sponsorship from this pickle juicer brand. So you have to take off the label. For example, you can't have a knee brace where the logo shows. You have to black it out. Remember way back when Jim McMahon messages, you, you cannot have anything on the NFL sideline that shows that's not a sponsor. So you can't drink your own drink. On the sidelines, the Gatorade cups, sometimes it's Gatorade, sometimes it's water. And on very, very cold days, we sometimes would bring out the chicken broth from the uh, locker room. We've talked about that. But we still put it in the Gatorade cup because that's the only cup that's legal. You can't bring a Diet Coke onto the sidelines and drink it. You can't bring a pickle juice bottle with Vlasic pickles on it and drink it. I don't know if those are prepackaged bottles and, they've, you know, and they just took the labels off, or I don't know if they bought little bottles and filled them with pickle juice, or they recycled, empty out you know, the air charter plane liquor bottles and filled I don't know which they did, but that's why there's no wrapping on it. And uh, the other thing is Rick Burkholter, very good athletic trainer, been with Andy Reid forever. Google it. 
he's known to hydrate his players with pickle juice, uh, uh, his uh, little go-to secret. So that's what he's swigging on the sideline there, pickle juice, uh, as he's getting his hamstring worked on. And, uh, you know, all these little fun little secrets of the uh, NFL, et cetera. So Tyreek Hill the last few weeks been been tight in the hamstrings and cramping. And some people say, why is he so tight? Uh, you want him tight because that's what makes him so fast, right? I mean, he's a fast twitch guy and you want him tight. If he were super loosey-goosey and, and, oh my God, flexible, it's like, I don't know, what's a good example? It's like uh, having a bicycle chain that's loose. You don't get going when you get going immediately. It's like needing to get the gears going. It's like the difference, being tight is like the acceleration of a Tesla, instantaneous, electric. Whereas gasoline, there's the delay, right? You know, the gas has got to go in, the ignition's got to go off, then it's got to go, there's a second delay. So being tight is to his, to his advantage for what he does. But obviously he's got to be flexible enough not to get any strings. But pickle juice, there's the, uh, the, the secret. There are other formulations that work just as well, but that's a homespun uh, remedy, pickle juice. Uh, so now that it's out there, that'll be the new rage if you can get your athletes to drink uh, pickle juice. I actually don't mind it. I'm a salty kind of guy, a savory kind of guy, so I could drink pickle juice, but uh, the sweet tooth probably wouldn't like it very much. All right, a second fun topic, uh, learning from the master. Um, changing in the guard a little bit, right? I mean, Tom Brady left. Look, Bill Belichick's still a great coach. And I've said this time and again, and let me make sure I'm saying this. I am not being critical of what the Patriots or Bill Belichick do with injury and injury reporting. If anything, I say they're very honest, overly honest. They list all their players on the injury report, and they follow the definition of limited practice and full practice to a T. Limited practice is anything short of 100%. If they miss one play, it's limited practice. If they practice one play, it's limited practice. That's the way it is. DNP is didn't do anything, did not practice. Full practice is didn't miss a thing. If they miss one play, it's LP, like I said. And questionable is somewhere between 5% uh, able to play and 99% able to play. Remember, there's no probable anymore. Doubtful exists, but that's for like 1%, 2%, less than 5%. So if there's any chance they won't play, it's legal to list them as questionable. So what do the Patriots and what have they done traditionally? They lead the league in questionables. This week here, let's count them. Here's their injury report. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 players questionable and two of them out. On Friday, it was 14 players questionable. And the two outs were because they didn't get on the plane to go to Miami. So by definition, they had to be declared out. So of the 12 questionables that got on the plane to Miami, how many do you think played? 12. <laughs> and it's kind of the game of hide the bacon. So you, it's almost like you don't pay attention to that. So they do it very well. Look, everybody's LP, if you look at it. Everybody's LP all the way through. That's legal. Questionable's legal. Now, if 
for example, Shaq Mason did not have a calf issue at all, and they listed him with a calf and limited practice and questionable, they would get fined. But if he has a calf issue, even though it's mild, that's perfectly legal. Like I said, sometimes when you see a team with only three or four guys on the injury report, do you really think five athletic trainers, three team doctors, and all the staff are just treating three people in a given week? No, there's a lot more going on. The Patriots just are, quote, over-honest and use it to their advantage. So why do I say learning from the, from the master? The Patriots got beaten by the Miami Dolphins. They're knocked out of the playoffs for the first time in forever. And Brian Flores came from Miami. Let's look at the Dolphins this week. Questionable, 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 questionable. A little bit different, though, because in the end, Van Noy and Landon Roberts played, but Hakeem Grant did not play. Gusecki, although everyone thought he would play, did not play. And Devontae Parker did not play. So some of these questionable didn't. But uh, this week, I think there was a lot of extra questionables and people. But this game set the record, at least for the week, of the most questionables. So it looks like... Brian Flores is adopting some of the Patriots style, but not all of it because he handled it a little bit differently. But you can certainly see no fear of using the questionable tag uh, on their players. And like I said, not saying anything bad about either team. Everything they're doing is within the rules. But of course, we've talked about coach speak a lot. All right, let's move on to a different topic, third topic, shutdown time. Everyone thinks shutdown time is, you know, week 16, week 17 here. And as a matter of fact, because of shutdown time, fantasy playoffs always end by week 16 because no one wants to play those week 17 games. But even week 16, there are shutdowns that happen. And I would argue that there's nothing unusual about shutdown time. NFL teams... GMs, coaches, agents, players, medical staff are always taking things into consideration. You know we always look at a bye week. What can we do? Or when are the divisional opponents? When do we need this guy back versus this guy back? Do we want to push this guy or do we want to save this guy? We've got the game, the interdivision game that we have to win next week, this week. Eh, you know, it's a interconference game so you know it's not it's uh, not as important to the tiebreaker schedule you do that all the time and then you look at you know is he a young guy is he an old guy are we pushing him through the year are we letting him rest that happens during practice during the week who gets that rest but at the end of the year you have a new factor right the new factor is you're no longer in the playoffs that changes things you start looking ahead to next year and depending on if you have continuity of your head coach and GM, different things happen at shutdown time. Let's go through a couple of examples here. Michael Thomas got shut down. To me, it makes total sense. If you're the New Orleans Saints and you know Michael Thomas is not 100% from his high ankle, do you want him to continue to go on at 90% trying to get the first round by? Remember, only one team gets it, and right now it's Green Bay. Rely on Green Bay to lose and rely on the Saints to win all the games, especially as they're playing the Chiefs, etc. And then, whether you make it or not with the first round bye, you end up playing with another with a 90% Michael Thomas. Are you better off shutting him down for three weeks? And one of the big advantages now is 
with the COVID system is three-week IR. So they shut him down with three weeks to go. He will be ready for round one of the playoffs period, and he'll probably be 100%. Very strategic shutdown for him. Let's look at others. Uh, Matt Stafford with his painful ribs, especially Frank Ragnow with the laryngeal fracture. I think Frank Ragnow gets shut down now because you don't want to risk that. Uh, they're officially out of the playoffs. Um, we'll talk in the next segment about the San Francisco 49ers. They're officially out and why the line may move against the, the Arizona Cardinals because a lot of those injury decisions, whether Kittle comes back or not, might be related to, well, we're not really in it. Why do we, if there's a 1% chance of further problems with George Kittle or refracture, why do we want to take that chance? Let's just let him heal up the rest of the season. So shutdown time is real. It's a very complicated decision process between the team, the different elements in the team, the player as agent, and then medical, the doctor, the athletic trainers, the therapist, et cetera. So shutdown time is here, and it's a complicated decision-making process, unique to each team. And uh, it also depends on management and the owner as well. Uh, I call it customizing care. One of the things I used to always say is people would ask me, how do you treat your professional athletes different than your weekend warriors or high school athletes? I say I treat them the same, and everyone says, oh, that's BS, you can't do that. I said, I do. It's all about customizing care. I treat a shoulder injury different on Phillip Rivers than LaDainian Tomlinson, a knee injury different on Phillip Rivers than LaDainian Tomlinson. You think you let LaDainian Tomlinson play with an ACL tear? We did for Phillip Rivers. That's not happening for LaDainian Tomlinson, even if it is the playoffs. But high school kids, the first question I ask them when they come in, you got hurt playing football. Okay, what's your main sport? If your main sport is basketball, why are we trying to push you to get back to football? We just got to get you healthy for basketball. Are you right-handed, left-handed, the type of player you are? It's all about customizing care. And let me tell you, the same injury on LT in week one or the preseason is treated potentially differently than the same injury in week 16. That's what I mean by shutdown time and so forth. Different things get taken into account and that's how shutdown time comes about. All right, uh, I got reminded myself a little bit this week about one of my principles, and quite honestly, I felt I was mad at myself. I got fooled a little bit. I don't know, maybe I should just keep listening. I always say, and we did a podcast on it, you know, look at the video, stick to the video and the video analysis. Don't judge the reaction to the video. That's one of my mantras, and I'm a little bit upset at myself. For example, by video, Mike Gusecki was not playing this week. And I said that yes, last week when he dislocated his shoulder. And then all the media reports came out saying, he's going to play, he's going to play, he's catching passes. And I said, all right, I guess he's going to play. I'm surprised, but okay, good on him. I shouldn't have backtracked. I should have just said he's not going to play. That's the pattern. That's the injury. DJ Dallas, I thought he had a significant routine ankle sprain. Significant one. Uh, and then he got taken off on a cart in an air cast, typically used for fractures. And I started saying, well, maybe he broke something. And it turns out, no, he didn't. That's, once again, you're judging the reaction to the injury. Let's look at uh, Stefan Diggs. He's hopping around in one foot. 
If you look at the video of the injury itself, he got stepped on and cleated. He's fine. He got carted back to the sideline, probably because he asked for a cart ride to go be with his teammates. And then you saw him hop around on one foot, and he said, oh, shoot, he's really hurt. No, he, it was a wet football field. He didn't want to get his sock wet. He hopped over and then put his shoe on before he, he uh, joined his team on the si teammates on the sideline and then danced. So judge the original video of the injury. Uh, DK Metcalf, a big scare. Ankle hyperextension, knee. Didn't look bad, and he's fine. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, Splits look bad, but if you really analyze the video, not a significant injury, and right now the report is he'll be back by playoffs, which is what we felt and thought. Stefan Gilmore, a lot of fear of a torn ACL because it was non-contact. Not a torn ACL, partial quad. His uh, recovery is better. Um, so always judge injuries. Look, we had a lot on Drew Brees where I thought he could come back, he could come back. And there were all these reports of he's not, he's not, he's not. It even got me a little bit nervous. But what happened? He played, he did fine. He started slowly, might have been rust. And then came the report he took all the first team practice this last week. So the Saints knew it too. They were going to play him all along. All right, uh, let's go a little bit here into our right and wrongs. We don't want to beat a dead horse too much here. Uh, Alex Smith, all along, we were confident wouldn't play, and he didn't. And I don't think it's going to change. Drew Brees did return. Matt Stafford, everyone said he wouldn't. We thought he would, and he did. Gibson will be out still extended period of time. Let's get down to some of the more incorrect ones. I usually want to focus on those. Mike Williams, I did not think he would play Thursday night football. He did, but only two catches. Keenan Allen, I thought he was going to be subpar and maybe not play. He did play, but it was one rush and one reception early, basically showing the Raiders, we're going to use him, and then not so much decoy. Ronald Jones, pinky finger, I thought he'd play through, but he didn't play because of COVID list, nothing with his finger. And uh, we've talked about Mike Jacecki and uh, company there. Well, anyways, uh, uh, as we head into week 16, we're going to start some new features here uh, for the playoffs and other things. And we'll talk about it in the next segment of Pro Football Doc Podcast. Stay tuned for the injury rundown, but also a uh, very entertaining beast of the week this week uh, as we head towards uh, week 16. Uh, thank All right, welcome to really part two of the Pro Football Doc podcast, post-week 15, headed into week 16. We'll do our usual injury rundown here, and we'll do a very entertaining, I think, beast of the week, doing it a little bit differently at the end here. But I want to start a little bit differently here. We're going to start a little bit differently with our line movers uh, segment if you go to the website, you'll see all the videos on the right-hand side, and there's a live stream. But really, you see all these different videos, and we have videos up for a Chicago versus Jacksonville line movers, Arizona versus San Francisco line mover. The Chicago line has already moved from minus five and a half to seven. The Arizona line moved from minus two and a half, three to four already. Obviously, some key numbers. And uh, we'll go over that here. First of all, last week, we uh, 
went over uh, Washington, Seattle, as you see here. And the, we do these on Sunday. In Washington, Seattle, the line mover, the line at the time was Washington, was Seattle minus three. We thought Alex Smith would not play, Antonio Gibson would not play, and that would change the line. And indeed, it did. The line moved up all the way to six and a half. So in our OutKick article here, five actionable injuries, it actually counts for me as a loss. Our overall record is was 42-24-4 and four going into the week, plus 18. Now we're 45-25-1. Sorry, 45-25-5 after a uh, three one-and-one one week for a plus 20 margin. But here, if you look at Seattle versus Washington, we liked Seattle a lot at minus three, but the line moved to minus six and a half, and the final score was 20 to 15. So if you got it at three, you won. You got it at six and a half, you lost. So the, for the outkick numbers, I counted as um, not seeing it until uh, Sunday morning, so it counted as a loss. So. Here's what we have this week, and we'll start this with the injury rundown, uh, guys. And what we have this week is, with the injury rundown, the, uh, we'll start with the San Francisco 49ers. This is, for example, why I said the line will likely move. We'll do it all in the standard order, quarterbacks, running back, wide receiver, etc. But I'm going to go a little bit out of order and do the San Francisco injuries. First of all, Nick Mullins with his elbow. Uh, that is a significant deal. I believe Nick Mullins will miss time. C.J. Beathard came in the last two minutes of the game. But if we go to video here, uh, this is the play where Nick Mullins hurt his elbow. You can see and his arm gets hit by Demarcus Lawrence. He still completes the pass. So you can imagine that how forceful the hit was. His arm was coming forward at full steam when it got stopped. And that either is a shoulder or an elbow. It's either a shoulder rotator cuff strain or an elbow medial collateral or ulnar collateral ligament strain. Turns out it's his elbow. You see him right there trying to practice throwing and see how it feels. You can see how that stings. Now, I'm not saying he's got a Tommy John ligament injury where he needs surgery. Uh, it's not a Big Ben type injury. But you'll get a better view of it here. Uh, they'll come to a good replay here. It was a soft roughing, roughing the passer call. But here we go. And right there, he gets hit. And you can imagine, and you can see the velocity where the ball wasn't perfect coming out. But right, imagine you doing this and someone stopping you right there. That's how it hurts the inside of your elbow. In any case, that's why I don't believe Nick Mullins will play this week for the 49ers. In addition, Raheem Mostert, jumping ahead, re-aggravated his ankle, high ankle, same left high ankle. Jeff Wilson Jr., hamstring strain late in the game. He says he's fine, but hamstring strain late in the game. Jimmy Ward with a concussion and neck issue may not return to play given the Saturday game. Jimmy G's already been shut down. Debo Samuel is unlikely to play with his hamstring. And George Kittle wants to play, but the 49ers have now been eliminated. 
And as we talk about in the first section of the Profidoc feature section, it's shutdown time. So with it being shutdown time, this being the first game after the 49ers are eliminated officially, Nick Mullins, Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jimmy Ward, Kittle likely still out, Jimmy G not returning, Debo Samuel out. That's why I thought the line would move. And indeed, it's moved a little bit to four already. So that's a little bit how we do line mover, movers in a quick rundown of just the 49er injuries. It's been a tough year for them. Same thing with uh, uh, Chicago versus Jacksonville. Uh, James Robinson, I believe, has a high ankle sprain and will be out. And obviously now Jacksonville is uh, poised to uh, want to lose, right, to stay in the Trevor Lawrence Derby. In any case, we'll move on to quarterback rundown here. Alex Smith will continue to not be able to play, unfortunately. Alex Smith is doing what he can here. But if you go to the video that we have from last week, you'll see that, you know, with the AFO that he has, nothing changes week to week here. I'll refer you to the video to look at it. And uh, there's some gr gruesome images in there. His calf isn't going to get miraculously better one week to the next. So I think it's going to be Dwayne Haskins again. I think the, Reds, the Washington football team wants Alex Smith to play. They're contending for the NFC East crown, but... Go watch that video, um, uh, why the strength, calf strain is such a big deal for Alex Smith, okay? Um, and uh, there are some graphic images, so you'll get warned if you go to that video and uh, look at it there. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll uh, tweet it, retweet it to the timeline so people can uh, see it a little more easily. Uh, as we continue on, let me see here. Sorry. As we continue on here, um, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, mild inversion ankle sprain. Not a big deal. I think he's going to be okay. Uh, he played pretty well. They beat the Patriots there. Brandon Allen. I'm hoping Brandon Allen returns uh, from his. Uh, the, the Bengals haven't even played right now, right? I mean, it's still sun. It's still Monday. They play tonight. But I do think Brandon Allen has a good chance of coming back next week to play for the uh, Bengals. Derek Carr will not return to play. He heard it on Thursday, groin strain, adductor groin strain. He says he wants to play. Of course he does. He always wants to play. It's said to be a 10 to 14 day timeline. It's 10 days next Sunday. He won't play. Here's why. He was on the sideline. First of all, you need a groin for your groin. You need your groin to get out from under center. You need your groin to open up and throw the ball. And he could do none of those. The Raiders aren't that much of a predominantly shotgun team. They also have Marcus Mariota, who's very good. But also, Derek Carr was on the sidelines in street clothes on Thursday. They only had one other quarterback, Marcus Mariota, who was playing. What if Marcus got taken inside for a head injury check? They would have had nobody. Usually you stay as an emergency quarterback there. And if you don't, what does it tell you? You are hurt badly enough that you couldn't even do anything, which means 10 days isn't going to be enough for Derek Carr. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, like we talked about, shut down for the season likely. Daniel Jones, I think he comes back this week. Uh, I think he could have played this week, but 
the Giants, you know, felt like I think they got fooled with Daniel Jones last week and uh, playing him a little too early with the hamstring. And this week with the ankle and hamstring uh, held them out. I'm confident Daniel Jones will return this week. Uh, DJ Dallas with an ankle sprain, not a fracture, which is good news. Mostert, Jeff Wilson we talked about, James Robinson we talked about. Cam Akers seems okay to me, which is certainly uh, good news. Cam Akers returned to the game, seemed fine, not really anything big. And then uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, if you look at the video here, uh, he ended up forcibly doing the splits. Uh, I'd be broken in two if I was forced to do that, but certainly that's certainly a big deal. Uh, uh, in any case, the uh, doing the splits, nothing serious for, for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which is the good news. Nothing serious for him. It's more of a, uh, he'll miss some time, it's a muscle injury, I believe, and I think that he will uh, return to play this season in the playoffs for the Chiefs. He'll probably miss the next two games, so at least that is some good news there. Um, then let's move on to some other running backs. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, our weekly Christian McCaffrey, I don't think he's going to play talk. Unless he's 100%, I don't see how they play him. Um, so let's see what happens. Joe Mixon, you know, put a fork in him. He's done. El Ezekiel Elliott with the calf says he's going to try and play or doesn't want to shut it down, but we'll see. Uh, Duke Johnson with the neck, Miles Gaskin with COVID, Jamal Williams with the thigh, Damian Harris was out with the ankle. James Conner should play tonight for the Steelers, but may not get all the reps. Ronald Jones with his pinky, as soon as he's off COVID, he'll play fine for the uh, Buccaneers. Michael Gallup left with a hip injury, should not be long-term. Julio Jones got PRP in his hamstring, which means it usually is a month before you come back after PRP. Stefan Diggs. I don't think Stefan Diggs is really that big of a deal. If you go look at Stefan Diggs' injury, here it is. You'll see he gets stepped on. The outside of his left foot is stepped on. So he's just cleated, and then he walks off, limps off. He's just cleated there. So because he's just cleated, I don't think that's going to be a big injury for uh, Stefan Diggs. I get how, um, how people are worried about Stefan Diggs because of the way that he limped off uh, with everything. Uh, and when he came back from the cart, he was hopping around. But I think that hopping around was as much to not get his shoeless foot with the sock wet than anything else. I mean, he was dancing on the sideline. I think he just got cleated. I think Stefan Diggs will be fine. No real worries about him uh, going forward. Uh, let's see. Kenny Galladay, it's been a mystery, but I think he's essentially done. Hunter Renfro seemed to be completely unconscious, so it's, you can't judge, but he may miss some additional time. Uh, Hakeem Grant didn't play as well as Devontae Parker. Parker has a chance to play this next week. Hakeem Grant, probably not. Michael Thomas was shut down to get him healthy for the playoffs. Uh, Debo Samuel, we mentioned, likely not back yet. For tight ends, George Kittle probably. Look, 
Maybe George Kittle can talk his way into playing, but I would assume the 49ers shut him down. Mike Gusecki, I think, finally has a chance to play, and we covered that a little bit. Greg Olson should be close to playing, too, with his plantar fasciitis. A host of offensive line injuries. Uh, Chris Hubbard with an MCL and patella dislocation, the backup right guard. Uh, the Browns are now down to their third right guard. He'll need surgery. David Andrews with a calf. Titus Howard with concussion. Russell Okung with a calf. Wyatt Teller, a new ankle injury on top of his calf. I think Frank Ragnow is going to get shut down now that the Lions are out of it with his uh, laryngeal fracture. Andrew Whitworth, I think, probably can come back for the Rams in the first round of the playoffs. And a uh, whole list of other uh, linemen here. Defensive injuries, the big one is uh, Stefan Gilmore. It was not an ACL tear, which is good, but reportedly it is not. It is a partial quad tear, not complete a partial quad tear and reports are he's going to have surgery to just make sure he's right for next season if it were a complete quad he would not be ready for the season i believe he will be ready for next season with the partial quad tear and uh, preventative surgery antoine woods got his ankle rolled up on uh, leighton vanderesh i think had a high ankle sprain sheldon richardson with a new neck injury quinnon williams with a concussion uh, and uh, Marcus Peters did not play with the calf but should come back. Tredavious White with the stinger with a good chance to come back. Long list of defensive injuries here, uh, and we'll go through them all through the uh, Pro Football Doc website as well in more detail. Now, since it's around the holidays, I want to have a little bit of fun here and uh, go through uh, a little different beast of the week here. Not going to gross anybody out more just having fun with what's going on. Uh, sometimes you can be a beast for what you play through, for what you do, but sometimes for the way you behave and what you say, and sometimes it can be good fun too. So the first beast of the week we'll go to here is that um, for the Giants, and this has to do with the Sunday night Giants versus Browns game. Uh, this is the first time I heard this story this week, but Odell Beckham got traded to the Browns from the Giants. Jabil Peppers was on the Browns, and uh, apparently he said this week, when he first heard about the Odell Beckham trade on Twitter, Peppers was on the Browns, and he said he was excited. He said, hell yeah, we just got Odell. And then he was like, O-S-H-I-T, when he realized he was the trade bait in return and going to the Giants. So I think that's pretty funny for him to be self-aware like that, etc. The other one that I heard this week that I thought was funny, the Thursday night game, Justin Herbert talked about that he was such a surprise starter in week two when Tyrod Taylor had the, quote, punctured lung right before the game that uh, from their pregame rib block, that he gets out to the huddle and Hunter Henry tells him, quote, what are you doing out here? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that, starting an NFL game, and your Titan says, what are you doing out here? <laughs> but I think that's uh, pretty uh, fun and uh, good stuff here. Uh, another one that I'll point out here is uh, has some audio, and we'll have to make sure you hear this. So I'll replay that again. 
So essentially, essentially what that is is Josh Allen literally and the Bills on Saturday scored three consecutive times. Both every time is taken off with an offensive penalty. So literally, he's here saying, "How many times I got to score?" is what he's saying as they're laughing with what's going on. All right. Um, uh, Another one that I think is a beast here, and hopefully you can hear the audio on this as well. Listen closely. This is a rookie, Justin Jefferson, talking to his quarterback, Kirk Cousins. See if you can pick up the audio here. Let me see if I can redo that video there, that sound. Uh, essentially, what he says, he, he, he yells at Kirk Cousins to throw the ball earlier. What he, what's he got to do? I'm sorry I messed up the audio there. But the, the, the mic picked it up. It's one of the benefits this year of not having fans in the stands. The mics are very sensitive. And obviously, I did something wrong on my computer there. Uh, finally, the runner-up for Beast of the Week. I'll say is this one. Check check out Wisniewski. Catches the ball, rumbles with it. Now watch this. <laughs> That's pretty good in, in stride that he's money. Now I think this should be a given progress because to me that's a fumble. That's not a pass. I get if it's a pass, it's illegal. But if that ball hits the ground, is that ruled a fumble? I think it is ruled a fumble. So why can't you recover a fumble out of the air? I mean, this isn't inside two minutes. This isn't the holy roller rule. I mean, so I don't know. But I love his reaction with the money, money, money. <laughs> but the runaway, and I take this lightly and kindly here, the runaway beast of the week is right here. Tyree Phillips, the guard. Watch this one. This is his Derrick Henry impression. Fumble. Picks it up, doesn't lay down on it. Watch him. <laughs> I mean, this is William Refrigerator Perry days. He, I mean, he said ball security, so no stiff arm. But he did, watch, watch the big man rumble. This gets the beast of the week. Yes, he got checked for a concussion, but he was cleared. He'll be fine this next week. That's our beast of the week right there for fun. And, uh, Wanted to do some Beasts of the Weeks where no one was really injured, which is always in good fun, instead of this just being a gruesome injury Beast of the Week segment. But Tyree Phillips, that's the Beast of the Week. That run there was uh, pretty darn good. Anyways, thanks for watching and listening to the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Uh, please listen to the feature segment. And uh, we've got lots of new playoff content coming too. Also, notifications at the website. Go to the website, go to the settings, and you can turn on notifications to get in-game stuff, to get field view notifications. You can customize how often we bug you to your cell phone with a text or to your email or not at all. All the notifications are turned off at profootballdoc.com. The default setting is no notifications, so we don't bug you with anything. But if you want to get information, go on the site, go to settings, and click and set your personal preferences to do it however you like. Thanks for listening to the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Have a good week.